Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. Welcome to episode 12 of Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS. My name is Adam Mullis, and today I'm joined by Richard Bentley, our executive director, and the second employee from uh, NGIS, principal consultant, Chris Hall. Now, if you see Chris or Richard or me on the street in the next month, you might want to say happy birthday because in August, it is the 25th anniversary of NGIS. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> right. So today we're talking about should we track workers? Recently, the Fair Work Commission has ruled that Canon is allowed to track its employees. They were locked in an 18-month dispute with the Australian Services Union, who said that they should not be allowed to track their te- technicians as they drive around. So today we're going to be discussing, should we be allowed or should we want to track our workers and what does it mean for the company, what's it mean for customer service? So first of all, I just want to get your opinions, you know, how does it make you feel? I'll start with you, Richard. How does it make you feel when you see a ruling like this in the in the news? Well, I sort of drag it back to um, my home, you know, uh, a home situation. I, I have tracking turned on for myself, so the kids know where I am and the wife knows where I am. Uh, the kids, uh, their tracking's turned on, so we know where they are. So, you know, we can pick them up easily from parties or understand where they're coming from. Uh, but the wife, she doesn't like being tracked. She doesn't like it. So we've got a we've got a, f- a fair uh, spread of you know trackable, non-trackables in our family. So you're going to get, I suppose, all flavours of that in industry as well. What do you think, Chris? Most people, to some degree, are doing it anyway by signing up to social media. The thing about this particular case, though, was that while they're already tracking. Uh, via vehicle and possibly other device there was particular concern over using mobile phone obviously because it's you know attached to the person so there's probably some valid concerns around that you know so tying it back to why companies want to do that there's some very valid reasons for tracking where people are too so for the same reasons Richard mentions with the family safety you know is the first thing so if if anything untoward happens or, or might happen you can either prevent or deal with it there's also commercial reasons for doing it that aren't evil. For example, I'm a, con, a construction company. I put in a big invoice for a bunch of site work I've done. I'm queried by the customer as to whether you're actually there or not, and I can provide back information saying, yep, here's, uh, here's a bunch of points whizzing around in real time a week ago uh, showing that my workers were on site. So, Richard, what should the or what are the the reasons, the primary reasons for tracking workers? What what should they be? Well, I think Chris, um, you know, touched on it first. I mean, safety is obviously the first concern, and you know, having a mining background, safety was a you know critical concern. And we've been tracking you know workers in in the bush or you know in the outback uh, since the '60s with radio scheduling and uh, you know letting people know where they were. I suppose efficiency is another thing. So you can actually deploy people um, easily in situations. So we had the RAC. We were working here with the RAC uh, WA. And what they were doing was they were uh, dispatching people uh, from one location to another on availability and they were, the guys would complain about driving past each other, going to a job 
that is nowhere near where they were because there was no um, there was no location attached to the job. We're talking about customer engagement as well. Um, you know, so when will my um, you know my supplier or repair man arrive? Um, do I need to be at home now? No, he's down at Warnborough. Uh, he's you know three, at least three quarters of an hour away. Um, give me a, an alert when he gets within uh, thirty minutes, and I'm only fifteen minutes from home. I can beat him there anyway, or or her there anyway. Well, this is the thing that was interesting about the Cannon uh, story. The Australian Services Union alleged that the reason for tracking was to be used for disciplinary purposes. So Richard's already outlined a few of the ideas, you know, that, that come to mind instantly around why you want to track someone's safety, efficiency, you know, sending people in, uh, not crossing paths. Chris, you know, let's talk about privacy a little bit. Does the union uh, have a point here? I think the disciplinary versus privacy is probably, they're probably separate questions. But to the disciplinary first, I mean, it strikes me, and that seems to be what the entire case is based on, some fear of discipline. If that really is how workers are feeling, then it points to a complete failure, which may not exist, it's just you know, supposing on Cannon's um, part in conveying why the system is there and the benefits of it. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure there's some smart people at Cannon and that they're, not, they're probably not thinking of this, although potentially it could be used for that. Um, they're more likely thinking about better customer experience, the improved efficiency stuff Richard's talked about. But, uh, you know, we, we often like to think the worst. And then there's the other case, well, I go off for my smoko at lunchtime down to the beach and I don't want anybody to know that. So that's probably a cultural thing within the um, you know, company itself that you deal with in other ways. If you're going in there saying, we saw you're at the beach, you know, that's not going to work. Well, maybe it will when that sort of employee goes. On to the privacy stuff, though. That's a, a good one. And, uh, you know, noting to, uh, or noting within that, that article, the um, bit about uh, Canon being able to process data offshore in the Philippines, uh, that's been flagged as of concern, I think. Um, frankly, as I said earlier, I'd be more worried if it was getting offshore to the US. Um, but uh, to that, I, you know, again, I think they just haven't really conveyed properly to the employees, you know, potentially how the whole thing is going to work. I believe that they should be able to draw some, you know, pretty good, uh, um, how do you put it? They should be able to look to other jurisdictions for how to deal with this sort of thing. So stuff around privacy is already dealt with well in the EU or is being dealt with via the GDPR, if you're familiar with that, General Data Protection Regulation, which has a whole lot of um, prescriptive measures on how to uh, deal with the protect protection of personally identifying information, I think PII stands for. And they cover off really simple things like um, consent um sorry, informed consent, they call it, which is basically who is collecting your data has told you why it has been collected, who is collecting it, um, how much has been collected, and also, interestingly, whether there's any sort of algorithmic treatment of it. So, you know, you might want to know whether you're getting processed into the next uh, um, widget to be sold to company X uh, in a marketing database. It also um, has prescriptions around what you, um, or actually it prescribes that you must allow uh, people to revoke those rights. So I think, you know, if you look to something like that um, and, and followed it, 
uh, that probably would have achieved a better result. Infor if you inform people and it's the use is sensible and they've got a right to pull it back, I mean, it'd be pretty hard to argue against it. So my thought on that would be um, around the application. You know, if you take an office environment where people are working and you can see them and they're there, but then they leave the office and they go and have lunch or they go to the toilet or, you know, they've got an errand to run or whatever, they're out of the office, out of sight. Why can't the, um, I suppose, the application that Canon wrote say, okay, you've got a 30-minute lunch hour. We don't care where you are in the 30 minutes. You press the button, 30-minute timer comes on, they become invisible to the tracking regime they can do whatever they want um, or if they've got an errand to run exactly the same thing people you know we're humans we have things to do during a working day and we fit them in um, so if you just got to tap a thing say doctor's appointment or whatever it might be or personal you know private time whatever then that i think starts to take away that um you know the the big brother syndrome and it it sort of embraces actually how we work in a normal environment um but the office environment for the you know like the technician is his car or her car so i don't think it would take too much to actually add that functionality in and you know if it, if somebody's taking you know five or six uh, half hour breaks during a day to do other things then it's not really a disciplinary issue it's just trying to understand with that person what you know have you got a problem at home what what are you trying to cover and how can we help you you know so are you being spread too thinly across other things when you've got things you know so it's 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 bringing it down to like what chris said it's that change management and i don't think from you know uh, it became adversarial very very early on uh, in the case and then nobody wins because it dragged on for 18 months and the technicians didn't know what was going on, the business didn't know what was going on and the unions didn't know what was going on. Everyone was trying to do the right thing for, the, for their members or for their business but it just... It just didn't work, and with a little bit of a little bit of extra thought and and being able to apply what happens in a real office, you know, in a in a state a stationary office, I think they could have got a, a lot better outcome. One of the things that they mentioned in the article is that there's a dis clear distinction between tracking the vehicle, which is accepted and understood in industry, and tracking the worker's phone. Richard, do you think there's a, as much as a distinction as they're trying to draw here? Um, not really. I mean, we. I just sort of, I suppose, touched on the the points where you know, if you're away from your your car, you you're either um, doing something for a client or you're doing something for yourself. Um, so just make that uh, make that understood with the application. You just you know, fingerprint up. You know, fingerprint on the phone says that I'm doing uh, work for a client. Fingerprint on the phone, I'm work. You know, I'm doing something for myself. You know, I've I've gone and got a sandwich. I've dropped off a letter. I've, you know, I've been to the dentist. All that stuff has to happen. So, I think you know, like Chris said as well, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of tracking going on now. You know, your iPhone or your Android has got tracking. Uh, it's sending you know, crumbs of information to Google, to different uh, applications that are there, Facebook, you know, linking up with your friends on LinkedIn even has tracking now. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff there. So I think it's just being familiar with what the purpose of the tracking is. And if it's like Chris said, you know, um, if it's for... Um, validation that you are actually on site, you know, fixing those seven photocopiers on three different floors, then fantastic. 
So what about the business rules? I mean, you sort of touched on it earlier, Chris. You said if this was explained properly to the to the staff, maybe there wouldn't have been a problem with it. Now, they did talk about the fact that it was possible in the policy to track the person after hours. It wasn't officially within the policy. Was it in the intent of it? Probably not. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. So what part do business rules play when you're trying to define these sorts of systems and and go about designing them? Yeah, I think what's happened here is I'm sure they would have come up with objectives of putting the system in place. And I'd circle back to what Richard said. It looks like there's been a failure to um, carry out an appropriate stakeholder engagement piece, stakeholders being employees in this case, to actually explain to them and take them on the journey of why it was going in. It's interesting that there are parallels in all sorts of other projects where you go off and implement IT systems. You know, if we were to go off and build a an enterprise GIS for system for someone and didn't talk to the users, we would have a project failure on our hand. But by bringing him in right at the beginning to say, look, we think this is going to be a good idea and we want to work, you know, with you guys because you're going to be using it um, to help develop how this application will look. I think that we got a lot better result. So to, to business rules, um, articulating them once you've got them, I suppose, is perhaps the message here. So Cannon said the reason for tracking the workers was to improve customer service the same way that we'd expect from when we order an Uber and we see it coming towards us or when we order a pizza from Domino's, as are two very well-known examples, and you want to see those pizzas coming. I mean, do we, do we owe the customer something in the age of tracking? Customers are expecting this. Richard, what do you think? I think it's it's almost expected nowadays with, um, you know, anyone providing a service, you know, a mobile service, it's like, when are they going to turn up? I mean, we've all had the uh, the phone call saying, I'll be there between 8 and 12. So that's half a day you've no. got to hang around. And that just that just kills me. Um, but if it's sort of like you're tracking them and you say you, you just draw a 30-minute uh, uh, circle around your property, a 30-minute travel time circle around your property, um, when they get within that circle, you're, you're told um, that they're on their way. And then you can you can travel home if you're you know within that, and you can basically I've I've arrived at the same time as the um, you know the handyman or the handy person, so it it works really well, um, and I don't see why we can't have that. I absolutely agree. I think everyone expects an Uber esque, Domino's esque, DD esque. It's called in China DD um, type experience with these things, um, and again, you know, if that was explained. And during the journey to bring the employees there, I think they'd be fine with it. The concern that was raised in that article was, oh, they might know if I'm still in bed at 8.30. Well, all right, if you are, it might be because you're sick. So as Richard says, design the app properly to realise that, actually design it with human factors in mind, I think is the is the um, the, the correct way to describe it. So if you do that and realise that we're all people and the app's built as a collaborative exercise, I can't see that people would have had a problem with it. What are some of the benefits, just to finish off, what are some of the benefits that employees could realise if they got on board with this, engaged in the process uh, and, and really said, you know, I want to be tracked? You know, what, you know, let's put our thinking caps on. What are some things that could happen that would be beneficial? Yeah. So and the classic one is the one you just mentioned with the RAC and two cars going in different directions because they were, you know, billeted to the wrong job. So that's obviously one the employees in this case are going to like, you know, 
dang, I think I can say on a podcast. I, I use other stronger words usually in this office. I shouldn't. Um, yeah, I've been sent to, uh, I've sent to Suburb X, which is where so-and-so lives, and he's being sent to, uh, you know, where I live. It's ridiculous. The second thing is you should be able to set the system up, so there's probably some incentives in using it too. So, you know, if I'm if I've got uh, KPIs around how many jobs I do a day and this app actually helps me uh, get to the locations quicker, um, yeah, I'm sure there's stuff that could be you know, introduced to it to make it an attractive thing to use for employees. The two I can think of. I'm sure there's a bunch more. Uh, it could be around... Um, you can also use it... I mean, because because they're people and they have to interact with other things outside of the job throughout the day, I'm not feeling well where's the nearest medical facility, um, I need to pick up something from the hardware store on the way home, some hinges, where is that? So points of interest are close to my route. You know you know where uh, the Bunnings is in your local suburb, but you probably don't know where it is, you know, outside your uh, outside your comfort zone of, of the suburbs that you live in. So those things can, you know, help you find a, a sandwich bar as well, you know, so you're not driving around trying to find a sandwich bar, you find it within a couple of minutes, you know, that sort of thing. So I think there there are some benefits to the individual, but the business also has to embrace that they are humans and humans have, the, you know, interests and things they do outside of their, you know, their eight hours a day of working. Well, thank you very much both for joining us today on the podcast. If you're interested in listening to more episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. I'll also make a link to the original AFR article on our show notes on our website. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.